0: Well there need boom bad height.
1: When I was young, the smallest trick of light could catch
0: my eye. Welcome to American Soccer Analysis. I'm the host, Harrison Crow. We got Jared on here we got sean on here we're we're feeling a little happy we're we're, we're you know we're just making time for this podcast because that's something that we really ha- i haven't really done sean sean is the instigator and says hey we should do this and you know what he's right um we really should so i was like let's talk about philadelphia and you know there's a lot well, of different takes i imagine that we could we could kind of have on this um philadelphia fans are feeling pretty good about life right now right jared
1: We are, although I have to
0: say there's definitely
1: sort of – it's very cautious optimism for sure. We're not used to this
0: being in the playoff – I don't think that's fair. Being in the playoff hunt. I don't think that's fair. I've read a lot of things, and I almost – I don't even say it's cautious. It's almost a cocky optimism. You might be among those that are cautiously optimistic, and I think that's hmm. fair. But – I read a lot of stuff, that and I'm kind of, of like scratching my head, going, "I don't think that that's really, really fair." Um, uh, looking back at last year, I I didn't think you guys were terrible. I thought you guys were an average team that got unlucky. Vice versa, I think right now you're probably a little bit better than average team. I think there's, I think overall, while I don't agree with all the moves that were made, I think overall this team without a do (laughs) is probably a slightly uh, better than average team. And it's getting fortunate.
1: Yep. That's probably a fair assessment. And I think obviously the Eastern conference uh, provides, you know, a little bit more of that luck in that it's a very even conference with some teams struggling right now. And, you know, no team is really running away with it. No team is really that terrible but right now, the Union ha- happened to be uh, sitting in second place. But I think that could change no in the game. It's pretty tight.
2: Uh, I would venture to say that so far, when, when you look at the uh, expected goal differentials of all the Eastern Conference teams, and then you look at just what you would expect from them going forward, that the East looks like the conference as a whole is just terrible. I think, I mean, when your leaders are DC, right? I mean, like, I think that, I I don't know, like, when I think about these teams that are overperforming, I think Toronto is an example. Um, And then, you know, say, like, oh, are they going to come crashing back to reality? I'm like, I'm not sure. It's the East. No one looks good outside of, you know, like, the best team in that conference isn't even winning games, and that's New York. Uh, Like, am I crazy? Or is the East just really bad? Yeah, but
0: here's the thing. All right, you can say that about Toronto FC, and I think to an extent that's fair, but all their games have been on the road. And they're still aver- – they're still have the third points per uh, game average in the East. Wake up. I mean they're going to hit their home stretch and they're going to spring a bunch of games together. And then all this fluff is going to come out and say, oh, wow, we – you know, look, they've turned things around. Well, no. They're just – they got a better situation, you know? Yeah. My- well,
1: here's, what I'll say. here's what I'll say about the union really quick is – is from a defensive perspective they're third in the league in goals against average they've given up eight goals in eight games and that really is the turnaround the offense actually isn't materially better and if you call them lucky that's probably fine but that just means that they get unlucky they'll be worse than last year um because they're very close to last year's pace but the difference in this team is the fact that they have shored up the defense the defense is way more structured. And I don't know how that happened. I don't know why all of a sudden the defense is playing disciplined soccer. The only changes really is that Richie Marquez is a year older, who, who seems to be kind of the already the captain of the defense, and Andre Blake is, is an outstanding shot blocker, and he's saved their hide a few times. And it, you know whether those things continue, I think is the key for the union because their offense just doesn't have the pop uh, to really they, don't, they will not score more than 50 goals for sure even with luck um, and so it's really going to come down to can the defense maintain this pace because the defense has really been the story this year
0: well I don't think that I mean you could probably point to the fact that they haven't necessarily had all their pieces on the attacking side also right Uh <clears throat> Barnetta hasn't necessarily yep. been the, the focal point throughout this whole season what he's maybe played half their games
1: yeah and he's been a sub he's only started uh, I think twice so he's He's been a sub. He's been he's been sort of getting up to full speeds. So I, I they're definitely even a little bit nicked up, but I, I don't think they have the goal scores. I mean when you play the four, two, three, one, you have to have that three score goals. In the union, you know, Barnando's not a goal scorer. Uh, you know, Latou can be a goal scorer, although he's on the way down. And fortunately for the union, Pontius has become a goal scorer. Uh, and whether or not he can maintain that this rate, I, I don't I don't know if he can, but my, my issue with this team is, you know, Sipong will get his, but that three has got to get theirs. And unless Pontius kind of maintains this pace, I really don't see where the goals keep coming from.
0: And, and Pontius is not. I mean, he's just. Uh, if you just look at the the pure volume that he's producing, it's not the pace isn't going to continue, and that's and that's just an inevitability. The question is when that pace stops, right? So, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you you can get lucky, and you don't know how how long that streak is going to last. I mean, it could last all season. It could last for you know two or three more games. I really think Latou is the wild card, and that he somehow has consistently—he's beating his age, right? He—he sh- he yeah, should really yeah. be on the decline, and—and and really, in—in in all actuality, he's their second-best attacking player. When I really don't think that should be the case. Uh, no, that, that you, and that
1: that—that's—that's the, that's the heart of the issue for this team. I think. I think they're going to need some kind of summer transfer that upgrades that. Something in the attacking midfield because you're not going to certainly replace Sapong at this point. So there's going to need to be some scoring upgrade in the midfield if they're really going to make a a change on offense, or the defense just has to maintain its very surprising uh, rate at this point. Uh, You know, that that, that may happen. That's probably the more likely to happen than the union kind of maintaining its goal scoring rate.
2: Uh, it's interesting because if you look at their expected goals uh, against uh, not counting last week but if you do it per game, um, they're 13th in the league. So it's not really impressive numbers by that front Now we've seen teams who have um, uh, outperformed that um, for various reasons. so that's not a you know completely damning, but um, you know it, it is something to consider whereas their offense is fourth. So if, if anything, right now, it's the offense, like when you look at expected goals-wise, that's really carrying this team. And so I think that that's kind of interesting, because it's like the opposite of what you would expect from Philadelphia.
1: Mm-hmm. Everything is the opposite this year. It's all I know.
0: <laughs> well, so, uh, you know... It- I think it's kind of interesting uh, and I'm probably going to butcher his name because that's what I do on this show. I don't know if, if this is something that you're uh, – if this is like an episode that you're you're new to, I butcher names. Take no offense to that. Elasino? Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, he seems like he's – even for a 30-year-old, and I know he came on as a trialist, correct? Um, he seems he's like he's – yeah. He's kind of impressed, despite that. I mean, you say that, you know, Mario Rosales was a was a trialist for the Sounders. You know, there there's been plenty of notable trialists. That being said, he kind of seems like he's maybe not been the greatest, but he he's been somebody that can consistently provide um, good production out on the wings. And I don't know if he's going to continue to play out there. Or if he has a future in the middle talk a little bit about what you've seen from him and like his 300 minutes.
1: Yeah. He came out of nowhere uh, as a trialist, although obviously he's got a little bit of a pedigree and he does a little bit of everything. I think that's what people like. He can, he can play the 10 in a pinch. I don't think he's as good as Barnetta, but he absolutely can, can set people up. He won't be as, as the, the most dynamic 10, but he absolutely can handle it. He can play out wide. Um, he, you know, he doesn't have a tremendous knack for goal, hasn't scored yet. Um, but, and, and, but he'll also play, play defense when, uh, when he needs to, especially out on the wing, he had a great couple of games when he started uh, and he shined defensively. So he does a little bit of everything. He's one of those guys that hasn't really uh, shown a strength or sh- has, hasn't broken through, but you can absolutely plug him in there and feel like you're going to get a solid performance. So he's been a, he's been a nice surprise on a, on a union team that has just never had good depth and all of a sudden you've got a guy like him who you can start or, you know, bring off the bench and you feel really good about the minutes he's going to give.
0: So you, you kind of alluded to the fact that Barnett is not really, uh, um, not necessarily. He's, he's a little bit more of a creator. Um, and this year he's created about three and a half shots, uh, per 90 minutes. Um, so that, I mean, tick up from last year where it's was only almost two, you know, coming from Germany where he averaged about three per game. So that's, that's roughly what you're going to get versus his shot output, which is like one and a half, uh, per 90 minutes. Um, so I have a question and, and this is kind of more generated to the league at whole, uh, and, and kind of minded with some of those that, uh, such as Nelson Valdez that got added by Seattle, some of the different, uh, internationals that have kind of come in and this speaks to what sean's research has kind of shown with um shots are mls teams going after the wrong type of players uh with the pedigree it seems like you know they've gone after these guys that as you said have the pedigree have a a little bit of established name but they're not necessarily the the right Guys, at least it it seems like they're not necessarily the right guys to be going after. Um, Nelson Valdez doesn't seem like the right guy to be having in Seattle. I mean, he's a great player in terms of uh, work ethic and defensive actions and, you know, um, aerial prowess. Probably not the guy that you would have in that position. Uh, Barnetta, who, as you kind of mentioned, they need to get, you know, goals from. They probably aren't, and I had another one in mind, and it eludes me at the at this present time. But um, just as a general question, are MLS player, are MLS teams targeting the right, you know, quasi international type players? Well,
2: I think this is the Kevin Doyle question.
0: Yeah, um, thank you. Yes, Kevin Doyle was the other one. Kevin
2: Thanks. Doyle, yeah. So just some background on Kevin Doyle. Um, his numbers are just absolute garbage from a analytical standpoint. That's not a hot take. Like they are some of the worst I have ever seen. Um, He took one unassisted shot last year. Just one. And when you're looking for a player for a team, and when you look at Colorado last year that wasn't creating shots from the midfield, you don't want to go out and get a four that doesn't take unassisted shots, which doesn't make sense. And it's funny that even when he went down injured – I think I had an argument on Twitter with Andrew Weeby about this. And I said that they are a better team uh, without him and Selenia's a better player and that this is going to make them better. And I I would say that I think uh, they were for that time. But it's funny that he still had his defenders when he went down. When he did nothing for them. He did absolutely nothing for them last year. But people just seemed to see pedigree. And it was completely unwarranted. So, yeah, I would... Absolutely agree with you. I think um, there aren't enough, um Chubinco is a bad example because of how expensive he is, but there aren't enough um, guys like that, that where they're going after these you know, picks. These guys are shooting a lot, create their own shots. And I think, yeah, it, it definitely shows the level that MS scouting is at right now.
0: Well, I mean, just as a transition point, let's talk about Gashi. I mean, that uh, that's exactly who you know. You you talk about Javinko. I mean, Gashi's kind of the same guy that kind of in the same vein. Um, I know you kind of had had the idea that he was going to be a, a a bigger, perhaps a larger impact at this point in time. And that's not to say he won't become that, but he he not he hasn't necessarily stepped quite full into that realm yet. Um, talk a little it's bit like about the game.
2: What are you talking about?
0: Oh, okay. But how many goals has he had? You know, how many assists? I, I, Is I talk I, about goals in an eight game sample. Come on, you know, better than that. Oh, I, I, again, again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing his play. I'm just saying he hasn't yet facilitated those numbers that we were seeing immediately from Javinko, right? Last year, Javinko stepped right onto a stage and pretty much within the first, not even the first quarter of the season, um, Probably the first two months was just lighting things up from square oh, one. Oh yeah,
2: very different type of play. Chivinko is, you know, I mean Chivinko should be a starter in the Italian national team. Uh, let and you know actually just you know a starter on the Albanian national team. So yeah, like we're talking very different levels
0: here. Sure, but if uh, yeah. you look at what he did in the Swedish league, as you pointed out, I mean that's not me doing the research. That was that was you.
2: Right, right, yeah, yeah. I think it was one point three goals plus assists for ninety um in a top 50 ELO team uh yeah some impressive stuff but uh yeah we'll get to be seeing um what happens with him going forward I still expect um good numbers from him I think he's he's outputting good numbers and uh they didn't they didn't really spend that much on him so I don't I still think that's a good signing for them and he's he's been there like best offensive player
0: yeah, and and certainly not taking anything away from him. I th- I, I came away very impressed watching him in the uh, in the Sounders game, and and that wasn't probably his best game either. Um, so I mean, I, I feel like that says something about him. He he splits um his shots pretty equally down the down the uh middle as far as um taking shots from outside the box and then finding ways to get inside the 18 yard box and creating shots. And and I think that really if Colorado has a shot at legitimately being a top two, top three team. Gashi's got to be the guy that really takes them there, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think Papa um, has also been doing um, outstanding things for them this year. Uh, if you break down their best expected uh, goals, was expected, this guy is it's Gashi and Papa. And any yeah, with of-
0: three, almost a little, almost three and a half shots uh, per ninety.
2: Yep. And if you look at what Papa's um. Uh, what they've done without Papa, it's interesting that Gashi has dropped back because not it's not Jones. Like Jones is legitimately pushing forward, um, you know, uh, sort of untethered, and Gashi's kind of dropping behind them um, and sort of being a pseudo, as close to a you know a, a distributor point man as you can get. And you know, I've been tracking his passes for ninety every week just in our fantasy league because I play him nearly every week, but. <laughs> It's definitely um, it, it's definitely a, a change, and it kind of speaks to the versatility of Gashi. I think Colorado's offense just transitioned them a bit. is interesting in that it doesn't seem to have they don't really seem to have a plan other than to sit back and you know break. But it's not a sort of thought out break like an FC Dallas break. It's sort of a, just everyone runs um, in the Seattle game. Uh, their positional chart was, um, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Harrison, but it was essentially like four dots on top of each other. Yeah,
0: yeah, you actually shared that. I saw that in uh, in one of our slacks.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was just the weirdest. But, you know, it's been working for
0: no them. There was no wit whatsoever.
2: Yeah, but, but it's been working for them. And, um, you know, we, we've had Pablo asking, why, what are we doing on this planet After in one game? And uh, last game he revealed that he has a leadership committee of players that he meets with at once a week, which I imagine it's just him meeting with Papa and Gashi and Jones to the Starbucks and him just, you know, lecturing them on heart and stones and whatnot. But, you know, like, it, it, uh, I mean, they're a very weird team. Um, they're definitely outperforming. They're definitely outperforming, but I think there is something to be said for the motivation. And I think this is something that you don't get in the models and it's something that, um, you, Certainly, always see from San Jose. And I think um, we're seeing in this team is you can't um, you have to concentrate for full ninety against them because if you you know if you blink, they will punish you for it. And you know they have just enough skill to do that, and they seem to have a good locker room going. I think they're they've got something you know uh, special going. Their back line's been um, really banged up and bruised and battered, but you know it's coming coming together nicely and uh I don't know like I think they're legitimately a team to watch so uh any oh go ahead Jared
0: I was gonna
1: say any 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 team that throws Jermaine Jones at the 10 just to see what happens is certainly going to be fun to watch right I mean they're definitely (laughs) tinkering on offense they're trying to figure it out and when you add Howard to that mix I mean they're going to be a team you try to you try to tune into to see what they're up to this week so uh, they will be a fun team to watch.
0: So, Jared, what what is your take on some of those conversations that Pablo probably has? What do you, if you like were to list like three things? What do you think are the the top three things he talks to his his uh, senior leadership about?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I they're they're just I, you know I I certainly don't know what he's what he's up to. He was he was crazy last year. He would he would try anything last year, tactically. I think it's experimenting, and I think this year, for whatever reason, um, I mean they're, they're just a little bit more solid all throughout, defensively, offensively. Now you add Jermaine Jones, then you sort of add the excitement of a Tim Howard coming in. Um, I think they've got a lot of confidence. I think I think Sean had it right. There's something about this team. There's something probably going on in the locker room. They're feeling it, and they're going to ride this wave and see what happens.
0: The burgundy wave. All right, they're, gentlemen. They're, burgundy wave.
2: They're also well, super deep. I wanted to point that out. We, if you look at their bench, it looks like Powers might be being sent to the bench or maybe Seleniac. They also have Dylan Cerna on the bench. This is a very deep team, and um, mm, they remind yeah. me kind of the revolution in that sense where like it, it, everyone can contribute, and if someone goes down, there's someone there to slot in. So while they don't have any giant superstar per se, They have a good core, and I think that can take you a long way.
0: Well, good stuff. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys very much for joining me on this uh, abbreviated podcast. Um, I know it's not as long as what we'd like, but uh, um, it's what we have today. Um, Next week, hopefully, we'll be able to get together for a little bit longer and uh, have a little bit – have a little bit more to say about some of the uh, Copa America and some of the different depth around the league, uh, as well as I know there's some stuff with crossing that Sean and I have been wanting to sit down and actually record. Um, So we'll get to that stuff next week. Uh, Jared, say goodbye. Bye, all. Sean? Bye. All right. Until uh, next time, Federico Iguain, and good day to you all. school jerks. We're about to show you how this works. Are we cool? Laser beams. We're about to awesome all your dreams. And you'll say, what are you? Some kind of computer. we'll say, yes, I we